630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, good to hear from you tonight. We still have open phone lines if you want to jump in about anything. A lot of Oilers talk. Of course, you can uh, chime in about your green and gold as well. Eskimos getting ready to face Hamilton, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I got an aggressive text from a Calgary Flames fan. I will get to in uh, a minute here. The Toronto Blue Jays are in action tonight as we check your Crystal Glass scoreboard, presented, of course, by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can get in touch with them at 310 Glass today. It is in the bottom of the second inning. Blue Jays on the road, trailing Arizona one zip. We'll keep you updated uh, on that for the rest of the show tonight. We are with you, of course, until 9 o'clock. Michael says, Reed, I think the framework is there for the Oilers, the new arena to build a winning culture. I see the Oilers at 6th to 8th in the West. I am mixed on Pelyarve playing in the NHL. I don't want to rush him and don't know if we have enough depth to protect him from getting hurt. Clefbaum and Nurse and Davidson healthy are a huge plus. If we uh, learn to get into the game before the 22-minute mark, we will do okay. That is for Michael. Flames fan Jay says, I'll put money down with any listener or you that the Flames split that home and home. As for Lucic, I love him, but I can guarantee that the Flames don't stand around and watch as Lucic runs over anybody, a la Buffalo Sabres and Ryan Miller. Derek England will give Lucic a go any night, anywhere. Triple exclamation mark from Flames fan Jay. I'll put money down with any listener or you, he says. Well, Flames fan Jay, I'm not going to start betting listeners. That would just go poorly for me. Flames fan Jay, I want you to listen to what you're saying, though. You're betting that the Flames split that home and home. Split? Well, you're already settling, Flames fan Jay. If you want to make a wager... Wager for a sweep. <laughs> Wager for a split. Come on. You have no you don't have any more faith in the Flames? They've owned the Oilers for the last six years. You don't think they can win two more? <laughs> uh, I appreciate the text. And uh, what do we have here? Mark's text says, Hi, Reed. Another season of waiting for a power play-minded defenseman assures another season of disappointment. The Oilers need to address the power play. A depth guy could be fine. However, a griba type of D-man does nothing to address this team's biggest need. Shirley needs to address that need prior to the start of the season. No questions asked. Can't afford another lost season. Time to truly compete come March and April. That is from Mark. And, and look, I can't even really, I, I can't disagree with anything. I just, I just think if I look at how he's uh, ad- uh, addressed things here and how is he, uh, how he has um, sort of the sequence, I think he put a priority on the goaltending last year. I think he put a priority on 
defending this year. Now, if he could have got a good defender with an offensive side to his game, I think he would have done that. I think the price was too high. So he got Larson. And then I think he probably tries to get the offensive defenseman. Maybe it happens during the season, or maybe that is next summer. And I and I know people probably don't want to hear that. Um, I mean, I don't know. Unless you get unless you sign a depth guy, a, a, the James Wisniewski type, who plays in your third pair five on five and is on the power play. I guess it's it's up to the individual whether or not they're comfortable with that. But you're right. I mean, I I, I still I, I see this as a team that can get to 38 wins. Now Minnesota made the playoffs with 38 wins this year, but it doesn't happen every year. I, I think another seven win improvement over last year is, is fair, given you know a year older McDavid, hopefully a more balanced Talbot. Clefbaum, Nurse, Davidson, another year older, and the addition of Larson, and a little more jam with Lucic and, and Maroon here for the whole season. I don't, I don't think getting to 38, because as I've said before, there are a lot of kind of bad teams, kind of mediocre teams, I should say, that often win between 34 and 37 games, given that every game has a winner, right? You get into a shootout. So hopefully the Oilers are better equipped to... What's the word? Squeak out points, you know, to avoid to avoid to be in a two-two game in the third period and not be the team that screws up. I guess is basically what I'm saying. And maybe that game goes to overtime, so they get at least one, and then you, you win a few in overtime in a shootout, and you and you build a few more points that way. That's kind of my realistic expectation for the team. I think I'm being pretty modest there. <laughs> Shirelli has said significant improvement. He didn't put a win total to it. Hopefully I'll get the chance to ask him before the season. To me, if a, a GM comes out and says and says uh, significant improvement, that's 10 wins. That's getting to 41 wins. I don't know if that's possible. 37, 38, sure, I think that's possible. And, but, and again, if they're healthy, this still isn't a roster that's, uh, that's, uh, that's built to handle... Um, Handle a lot of injuries. Anyway, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. I do want to uh, just shift focus a little bit here to our football team because they are actually in season. Uh, the Eskimos have had injury, or not injury, they have had penalty trouble this year. A dozen penalties for over 100 yards in every game so far. Here's head coach Jason Moss. We've all talked about it. We're blue in the face with it as coaches. You know, I know all of our players. They don't want to commit turnover or commit penalties, but they're happening. So there's got to be a reason why it's happening. So there's got to be some more, somehow, some way, more accountability. And there's got to be a different form of accountability. So, you know, I know they're going to run their butts off this week in practice when they mess up. And then when we look at the film and we do it again, they're going to run some more. So generally, you know, players don't like to run any more than they have to. So you're hoping that that helps. Helps. But at the end of the day, it comes down to some resolve with yourself, and you gotta, you know, be adamant that you're not going to take them. And we're, I'm not talking about holding. I'm not talking about DPIs, OPIs. Those things happen. I'm talking about jumping offsides. I'm talking about procedure penalties. I'm talking about the mental penalties that don't need to happen. If we could cut those down, which we had about five of them last game, then we're they're fine. 
because the other stuff is judgmental. That's by the league. That's by the referees that are going to call them, and you're going to you're going to agree with some of them they call, and you're not going to agree with some of them they call. But at the end of the day, they get called. But the other ones, we can control those. So if it's about us being a little bit mentally more tough and more accountable for it, that's what we're going to focus on. You know, they know it's going to be on a day one or day zero like we have today. Um, but it's more. They're every player will tell you as long as the coach ex explains why they're being punished or why they're doing something, they always will do what you ask. There's no question about that in my mind. If you just come out and say we're going to run 15 gassers and this is the reason why, it's like what the hell happened? But we've told them, you know, for the, I'm going to run more than anybody. I mean, because I said I'll run for every penalty we have. You know, bottom line though, they're going to run and they're going to start running after practice and start doing stuff until we correct it. I don't know any other reason. I want to just go a little bit old school, a little bit more archaic with it because we do other things that are supposed to help them. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about us and it's all about us correcting it. And we know we're the factor and we can get better at it. And that's what we're going to focus on. You know, it's interesting. We... <laughs> <laughs> talking about coaching a lot tonight, Andrew Gross was talking about his Bantam football team. We've talked a lot about Chris Jones going to Saskatchewan. There you have the new coach of the Eskimos, Jason Moss. And uh, football, a game to me that continues to evolve, continues to get more complex, continues to find new ways to do things. And Jason Moss is going old school there. <laughs> Players are going to run if they commit penalties. And he's going to run too. He's going to be right out there with them. I thought you would appreciate that, but it is a problem. And, and he's smart by saying, I understand sometimes an O-lineman is going to hold. I understand sometimes you're going to be battling and you might commit pass interference. He understands those things happen. Can you eliminate the offsides? Can you eliminate the illegal procedure? You know, can you make sure you're not throwing an illegal block on a punt return because you know the guy's numbers are facing you or it might be marginal? All those types of things. Those are the ones he wants to cut down. I mean, really, if you think about a legal procedure, there's not much excuse for it. The old lineman should be prepared for the snap count when he goes up to the line, right? He he should know what it's going to be, and he should be prepared for it. That's that's something to watch for the Eskimos this week. We'll get a little bit more from Moss and a little from Odell Willis as we move along. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. J.C. Sheriff with an interception back on Thursday night against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 1-0, Arizona still leading the Toronto Blue Jays that game into the top of the third inning. Going to be fun uh, tomorrow. Kevin Carius will join us in studio from Global Television. He's going to be joining us every Wednesday night. Also tomorrow, Edmonton boxer, WBC and WBA women's featherweight champion Jelena Mergenovic will be in studio. She is going to France to fight in October. We will share some of those details with you. All right, uh, a little more on the Edmonton Eskimos here. Odell Willis. Had a good game against the Bombers uh, as well, talking about the Eskimo penalty troubles, and he says he personally needs to be more accountable. Honestly, it is because, like I said, a lot of those we can control, even mine. I didn't jumped outside the last, what, two or three weeks in a row, and that's not like me. I, I mean, when I first came in the league, I was leading the league. I was young and dumb, but now I'm an older guy. I'm a veteran. I'm supposed to be setting the example and leading the guys, so... I mean, it's frustrating to me because I have them myself. Like, I have 115 yard and, like, at least three outsides. And that's four penalties in four games, basically, if you, if you want to break it down. And that's not acceptable. 
And like, and for us to get it down, I have to be accountable on top of the other veterans, and they have to just snowball all the way down. And like I said, it's frustrating, but at the same time, you can't let it get to you and let it affect your game. You just got to do better because it's all mentals. It's all mentals. That is Odell Willis talking about penalties. And yes, he's talking about jumping off sides. I know easier said than done. Can't do it. You know you don't move until the ball is snapped. So just don't do it. We'll see how the Eskimos address that on Saturday. Here's an interesting thing from the Canadian Football League this season. The home teams are 3-12-1. Yes, that's been right. That is right. There have been 16 games played in the CFL. We're four weeks in. The home team has won a grand total of three. The Eskimos themselves, uh, a win and a loss on home turf. So uh, two in a row here coming up for the green and gold. They'll try to turn it around. Jason Moss commenting on that poor home record around the league. It's a shocking stat, and we talked about it at the beginning of the year. This would be the toughest toughest thing to do in life is to repeat. I, I, mean, I firmly believe that for a football club. Um, and we knew we had a, a schedule that said we're going to have a lot of home games early. So I just pointed it out to our guys. I said, look, I told you it was going to be hard, and now we have all these home games at the beginning of our schedule and all the home teams are losing so I said if anything we need to focus it seems like an anomaly I don't know that when it's ever come like this before I can just tell you this it is tough to win in this league I don't care where you play it is tough week in and week out the parity in this league and the amount of players in this league and the coaches in this league and the schemes that you see it's not easy to to, to operate and it's not easy to win so I would just attribute to that more than anything all right, so that is uh, Jason Moss, the coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, chiming in on poor home records around the CFL this year. You can text 630, 630. Uh, just a couple of hockey texts here. Andy says, Reed, what's the risk acquiring Ryan Murphy out of uh, Carolina to work our power play and play on the third pair? Well, probably a limited one, though he's, you know, he's kind of had a trouble gaining a foothold here in the NHL. He has recently re-signed with the... Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. I, I suppose uh, he wouldn't. You wouldn't have to pay a huge price for him. We'll see. I don't know if the Oilers are going to go down that road. Dan says to hear Oilers fans talk. Lucic must be Superman. Last time I checked, he didn't dominate the Sharks or Ducks. He declined fighting Larock. Uh, he destroyed Commissarek when Commissarek had a bad shoulder, but was taken care of by Jay Rosehill and Colt Nor when the Leafs played Boston. Fighting is practically over in the NHL. Penguins and the Hawks won without a Lucic-type player. Who are the Oilers going to intimidate when the refs are not letting them play that style? Well, I don't know, Dan. I understand what you're saying, but I still think aggression and physicality and size and puck protection and, and nastiness are still part of all professional sports to some degree. Um, okay, you, you know... Fair enough about Lucic, but here's the thing. Lucic isn't Superman. Does he give the Oilers an element that they were lacking? Yes, he does, and I think that's why his acquisition is being celebrated. I, I don't think people are calling him Superman, Superman, but I think they're encouraged by what he could potentially bring to the lineup. All right, we got a break for the news. More to come. Oh, let's go to Saskatchewan when we get back with our old friend Jamie Nye. After the news.
your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Yes, thank you for coming along for the ride tonight. Reed Wilkins with you uh, with you every night this week. We are not preempted by uh, any football, any hockey, anything like that. The Eskimos game will be Saturday, 3.30 for the pregame show here on 630 Chad. The kickoff will be at 5. The Hamilton Tiger Cats coming to town. Look for former Eskimo Jeremiah Mazzoli to continue at quarterback for uh, Hamilton. Zach Kalaros, who I think is the best quarterback in the league when healthy, still not ready to come back from injury. It is 8-34, another injury to the star quarterback in Saskatchewan as the Rough Riders are off to an 0-3 start. Jamie Nye covers the team for CJME Radio in Regina, and of course he used to work right here at 630 Chad. Jamie, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Absolutely well. How are you? I am doing uh, great. Uh, it's always good to have you on the show and to update the members of Rider Nation in the Ched listening range about what is happening with their favorite team. My goodness, Jamie, I saw a disturbing stat after Saturday's game, including playoffs, and there was one playoff game in this stretch. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have five wins in their last 30 games. That is a oh-my-goodness type of stat, isn't it? It is, uh, and it's all or centered around the games Darian Durant has not been able to play in or finish. As uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, since that injury way back in the September of 2014, can't win without him. Uh, as uh, it's, but even with them this season off the start, with all the changes, the defense has uh, given up a whack load of points, and they haven't been able to win the first two games, and then. Last week, it seemed like they could have been on their way to their first win, but Darian Durant gets injured again, and now it is okay. Can Mitchell Gale get the job done for a week or two as Darian Durant rehabs a sprained ankle? So are you thinking it's a couple weeks then for Durant? I mean, what's a realistic return date for him, do you think? Well, he was practicing today a little bit. He kind of went through the walkthrough. He's not running on it. He didn't even do the stretch period with the team and went for more rehab stuff uh, in the locker room after practice today. Uh, the team kind of saying it's doubtful he'll play. I think it's all out no hope he plays this week. And then it's uh, a little bit of a, a longer week for next week's game where maybe you could see him play, but I'm thinking he'll miss. I'm thinking he'll miss two weeks, maybe three, uh, but the best case scenario is one week. So it's nowhere near, I think, uh, as concerning an injury as it appeared to be when he appeared on crutches on the sidelines on the weekend. Okay. Jamie, we, we, we talked last year, and obviously the Riders got off to a tough start last year as well, and they lost some close games. I think they might have had an overtime loss early last season as well. I can't quite remember, but I know there were some fourth-quarter losses last year, and they've had leads in their last couple of games. So part of me looks at this and says, same old, same old, they have trouble closing things out. And then another part of me says, well, wait a minute, they got quite a few new players and they got quite a few new coaches and they have some guys who didn't live through the pain of last season. So which is it? What's the, the problem with some of these second halves over, well, I guess specifically over the last couple of weeks? 
Oh, well, last year they had two overtime losses in the first three weeks of the season, and I think their first four games they lost by a total of something like 12 points uh, total in those four games. And it was, you know, last week again, or two weeks ago against the Edmonton Eskimos, it was a close game. This game against the BC Lions was close until the end, and they had injuries in the secondary, and their injuries to offense meant a lot of, you know, two and outs five straight of them to open the second half and the defense was on the field for uh, I think it was 17 of uh, 30 minutes in the second half which is a lot of time to be on the field and BC kind of wore them out and ran away with it. Uh, I think this is not so here we go again for this Ryder team. I I think it is more so they are coming along, they're growing, they have a lot of young players, a lot of new players trying to gel and I think they're, they're close to kicking it over where they, they start winning again in Saskatchewan, which feels like forever since they had a consistent winning team, which was when they won 8 of 10 to start the 2014 season with Darian Durant. And I think, you know, when Durant comes back in two, three weeks and, and he's plays it the way he was playing before he got injured, uh, the defense will be a lot better than they have been, and they'll start winning. The back half of the season for the Riders is a lot more favorable schedule when you look at the the standings right now than the front half of this season. Uh, So uh, I still think this team is going to grow into a winner uh, as we've seen Chris Jones be able to win wherever he's been as a coordinator and, of course, a head coach in Edmonton. Well, and despite the 0-3 record, I have seen a lot of positive things from the Riders team. I mean, they played an absolutely classic game here in Edmonton. Jamie and I joining us from CJME Radio in Regina. And you spend a lot of your time, like me, talking to fans both on and off air and they they fought back against the Eskimos and then they allowed that late field goal I was surprised at how passive the defense was given that you know they knew exactly where Edmonton needed to get to to try to, to kick a field goal what was the fan sentiment after that game was it like we blew it was it like well positive strides and coming back where's Ryder Nation at in your mind no, well, right now I think the Darian Durant injury turned it a little bit towards the negative of this team doesn't have a backup quarterback, and here we go again with a regime who wasn't prepared to deal with the Darian Durant injury. Uh, but after the Edmonton game, it was everybody was expecting them to lose against Edmonton going in, so it was more of a hey, we didn't get shellacked by the Eskimos. That's a that's a good positive sign. And then Jonathan Jennings throws for 420 yards, and it went, okay, where's this magical defense we were all sold we'd see when Chris Jones arrived here? But uh, I think fans are still pretty patient. Uh, I I think they're starting to lose their patience a little more as it's an 0-3, and and with Ottawa coming in next on Friday, people are almost putting up an automatic 0-4 start. Uh, But I think the patience will remain for most of the summer especially if Darian Durant can come back a lot sooner than many were anticipating when he left on crutches on Saturday. All right, so yeah, the next game's coming up for the Rough Riders. Uh, they got a couple, uh, uh, sorry, they got a t- another home game here against Ottawa on Friday. The following Friday, they go to Montreal. That's July 29th, and uh, the Alouettes haven't looked great. And then they got a home-and-home home with Calgary. So, yeah, I, I mean, three of those games for sure, you, you look at being pretty tough what's the biggest difference? I'm going to ask you the question I always got asked. What's the biggest difference with Chris Jones at the, at the helm? Uh, as opposed to Corey Chamberlain? 
or anybody. Uh, well, no, uh, no, no, we're, we're not. I'm not dragging you into the Chamberlain bashing again, because <laughs> I, I know you, your, your thoughts of him went south pretty fast over the first month and a half of last season. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the the. When a coach continues to lie to your face, it's uh, he wears on 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 media people, uh, and that's where Chris Jones. I I, I look at Chris Jones, and you, you you look you see a lot of Don Matthews a little bit, where when he wants to open up about something, he'll open up about a player uh, that's doing well. But if it's more of a, a bad news situation, he's short, he's abrupt, he'll answer a question but not give you a heck of a lot um, unless he really wants to go after him. But the one thing about Chris Jones right away, the accountability he takes is incredible. How how much he stood up in in the Edmonton game. I was way too passive. Shouldn't have been that passive. I I regret not being a little more aggressive after the last game. It was, we, we were brought in here to win and that's, this isn't, you know, a, a team you look at as going, oh, we're going to be patient and, oh, we're going to accept the moral victories. He's very much a coach that presses competition. And I think that will play into this team improving a lot quicker than a coach who would say, come in and go, well, you know, there's a lot of changes. And, well, we have, he didn't even want to use injuries as an excuse in this loss, even though they lost five starters. Uh, three uh, of which on offense and big cut time contributors, and he was playing the ratio game because of injuries. He didn't play the injury game. He's like, no, we didn't lose because of injuries. We lost because of this breakdown and this breakdown and this breakdown. And that I, I think Chris Jones is will instill a lot more confident bunch. He's not going to throw out excuses. He's not going to throw players under the bus. Uh, he'll he'll take his accountability as much as uh, he wants his players to t- be accountable for themselves. So uh, I, I see a coach who's, you know, he's. I, I think Saskatchewan fans like the the southern attitude of you know just work hard and you'll start winning games. Well, I think they will. Um, I, I mean, I know when you and I talked preseason, I, I thought maybe they could go nine and nine. I backed off on that a bit when I actually did my preseason predictions. I put them at seven and eleven. Maybe they'll still get there, but you know, with Jones, he's going to keep working. And uh, from a fan standpoint, I, I hope Durant is back because I got a lot of respect for this guy, Jamie. I think he's a great quarterback, and despite the injuries, I still think he's probably one of the toughest quarterbacks of the last couple of generations, too. So I hope he's back quickly. Well, I, I think uh, bad things come in threes, right? So uh, that, that that's his third injury. Uh, maybe Darian Durant can start to get back on a roll. Uh, there was a stretch he went 14 and four uh, in his 18 starts before the injury against the Bombers in 2014. Uh, that is an incredible record for a quarterback, and uh, I think more of that will come once this defense figures itself self out and a lot of young guys uh, start catching on to the CFL game. Jamie, thanks for your time, buddy. I'm sure we'll do this again next month when the Riders and Eskimos meet again. Absolutely. Anytime, Reed. Jamie Nye from CJME Radio in Regina. He hosts the Green Zone. There's your update, Ryder Nation. Tough news for Darian Durant. Likely going to miss the next couple of weeks. Mitchell Gale will be taking the snaps for the Green and White as they look for their first win of the season. And yeah, it's uh, hard to believe 5-25 and 25 in their last 30 games for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. The Blue Jays lead Arizona 
3-1 is the score. They are uh, into the top of the fourth inning as the, the Blue Jays getting on the board. Edwin Encarnacion homering, three-run shot in the top of the third. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. There is number four for your green and gold. Great season so far for him. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in. Reed Wilkins with you in the host chair until the top of the hour, then we'll hand it over to at night. Bernard Suen is your studio operator this evening. Bernard, how have you been, old boy? I've been doing good. How about you? Doing great. Are you with me all week? What's going on? I am going to be with you until Wednesday, and then... That's tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. and then you're gone, and I'm gone until I think next week again. Haven't seen the schedule yet, so. Oh, I'll get on Sid Smith to make that schedule. I t- I heard he did, but he hasn't posted it up yet. All right, thanks, buddy. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can reach us. You can always text six thirty six thirty. If you want to email inside sports at six thirty ched dot com, and I do want to remind you, I do want to remind you, some of our best segments are ideas that come from listeners. If you have somebody uh, that you, you think would make an interesting story, has an interesting story, thinks deserves, uh, deserves to be profiled, look, man, send me an email. Last week on this show, we had a young lady named Erin Young, 20-year-old from Legal, Alberta. She is attending the University of Alabama on a scholarship to play wheelchair basketball. She is on the Canadian wheelchair basketball team and will play in the Paralympics in Rio in September. That idea came from a listener named Mitch. Now, I'm not just going to put anybody on that you email in about, but if we'll look into it. If it's an interesting idea and we think people will want to listen, don't hesitate to reach out. Inside Sports at 630Ched.com. Speaking of the Olympics, the uh, Russian team will be allowed to compete, though the track and field team remains banned after the state-sponsored doping scandal was uh, confirmed yesterday by a Canadian investigator. Andy Petrillo will be the host of CBC Olympic Daytime on uh, CBC during the Olympics. Andy, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. So here's how I see your job now. You're going to have to learn still some Russian names, not all of them, because the track and field (laughs) team isn't going, but they're, they're letting the rest of them go. (laughs) yes they are Uh, wow you know i mean i've been covering this essentially since november right when the first report came out and then the iaas and had to step in and basically put this temporary ban on the russian athletics federation and of course had to keep tabs on them and see what was going on and then you know figured it wasn't enough uh, to be part of the rio games and then other athletes, right, from around the world, of course, being led by the, you know, a Canadian Federation and the American Federation, they were calling for an outright ban um, all of, of all Russian athletes. But, you know, it'd be interesting, oh, the message that that would send. I mean, we know there's a real problem when it comes to doping uh, in Russian sports, right? That's why they're calling it a systemic problem. If you recall, we remember even the um, the hockey team, the under-18s, had to pull out of the under-18 tournament, and they were replaced by the under-17s because of the controversy over, you know, being on performance enhancing, or at least even then it was more of the meldonium. Mm-hmm. This is something that's just really prevalent, and they can understand a lot of athletes' fears. And I'm even speaking to a lot of winter athletes as well who are even concerned about 2018. Um, because even during the winter months, when that report came out in November, we were hearing about speed skaters as well. 
um, basically being banned. Like we were hearing about skiers, uh, bobsledders. Like we were hearing about a lot of athletes that are also part of the Winter Games. And that's why I think, you know, the Canadian and American federations really stepped up and wanted a full ban because I think they're also trying to set a precedent for 2018 to say, listen, you know, you've got to send out a, a, a harsh message to this entire country because it's not just, you know, the summer Olympians and, and in particular, not even just the athletics, but they're going on to say it's, you know, most, if not all Russian athletes and that even affects the winter game. So it's just really ugly. It's really ugly. Uh, but there is a part of me that commends, you know, the IAAF and IOC for standing by the ban. A lot of people didn't believe they would ever ban a nation, at least part of, you know, its Olympic team from the Olympics. And they did. They stood by it. And we're not talking a small nation. We're talking Russia. So there's a part of me that commends them because it is at least one step in the right direction. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, that's, I mean, you, you look at any Olympics in history, the Soviet Union slash Russia is usually in the top five, right? If not the top three of, mm -hmm. of medals won historically. And certainly in the Summer Olympics, the athletics team is generally the largest contingent of athletes. It was interesting talking about this on, on, on my show last night. And a lot of people texting in and saying, is it time to just ban the whole nation, even the innocent athletes? And it's like you were saying, at what point does the message become strong enough where nations mm -hmm. could finally say, athletes could finally say, oh, my God, this this isn't worth it. I need to figure out how to win clean as opposed to figure out how to win by bending the rules. Yeah, and this is a tough one because... You know, I don't think anyone can argue that it's been the worst with the Russian athletes. But there's a lot of dirty finger pointing going on, too, if you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of other, you know, athletes from other nations, you know, who have been, who have either been caught or are right now kind of still hiding. I mean, we hear about every Olympics. There's always at least one, if not a handful, um, of athletes, and we can count the, the numerous documentaries that have been done about, you know, some people going, if we were to open up the blood samples, even from the 80s and 70s, you know, we'd be floored. Um, but it, it is interesting, you know, if you were to ban the whole nation, because there is a part of me that has to believe that there are some athletes out there who either, you know, did not do um, any performance-enhancing drugs or perhaps were even forced. I mean, they've hosted the 2014 Games. I can't even imagine the stress that comes with that as a nation for wanting to perform on the world stage either. You never want to be embarrassed on home soil. So, you know, how many of them willingly did it? How many of them were forced into doing it? How many of them just didn't do it at all? So these are things that also need to be weighed out. Um, but then the argument can also be made where maybe sometimes a few need to suffer for the greater message, right? And that message obviously is we have the ability to ban an entire nation and we're not afraid to use that ability, put it in action and actually ban a nation. So we're not messing around here. That is my goodness, that, I, that's the strongest message you could ever send because the Olympics happen once every four years for these summer athletes, right? Yeah. Once every four years for these winter athletes. This is all they work for. Some, some athletes, maybe they do two Olympics, maybe they do three, but for a lot of them, it's one Olympic Games. And can you imagine if they miss out on that opportunity? That is a very, very strong message, but maybe that's something you need to do to send out the warning even to other countries to say, you know, A, Russia, you got caught, you can't do this, this is horrible, and B, let this be a warning to anyone else who tries to do this because we're serious about keeping sports clean.
Andy Petrillo joining us. She'll be on CBC hosting Olympic Games daytime from Rio. Andy, just before I let you go, have you? Did you? I assume you've done some advanced stuff in in Rio and got a sense of venues and conditions and stuff like that. We actually leave uh, next week, and that's okay. what we're going to be doing next week. Um, you know, personally, I'll be able to see stuff, but we've had people going on over now for over a year. We've been getting reports back. We've been seeing photos. Um, so they're all making sure everything is, is running smoothly. And so far, you know, a lot of the reports are coming back thumbs up. It's really no different than the reports we got back, you know, from Russia. That every, everything's going to be ready at the 11th hour. Right. I expect the same here, <laughs> right? Like, are things 100% ready today? Will they be next week? No, but come August 6th, or I should say August 5th is the opening ceremony, and then August 6th, everything kicks off with competition, it'll be ready. I mean, it always is. In Russia, when I, we showed up a week before, I still had people hammering things in my hotel room. But those games managed to go off, so it'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy the experience, and, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what doping scandals come out of this Olympics. And, yes, I know I'm being cynical. Maybe there won't be any. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Andy Petrillo, she'll be hosting CBC Olympic Daytime from Rio. Thanks to her. Thanks to Jamie Nye. Thanks to Andrew Gross for joining me on the show tonight. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Turned into a fun little program. Thanks to Dave Campbell for producing the show, the studio producer this evening, the one and only Bernard Suen. We are back tomorrow night. Kevin Carius in studio. Edmonton boxing champion Jelena Mergenovich. Well, she's a world boxing champion. She is from Edmonton. We'll be on from 6 to 9. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. My name is Reed Wilkins. The Jays are still up 3-1 on Arizona in the 4th. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.